Welcome to the Key Point Podcast. We exist to help people know God, experience life, discover purpose, and make a difference. Whether you're at home, on the road, in the gym, or anywhere else in the world, we hope you'll lean in and be encouraged by the Word of God today. Let's jump in. Oh, the best dads. <clears throat> we had a good time filming that. You notice they didn't put uh, Pastor Casey and Pastor Keith in that video. Uh, they didn't want us to have like an Amber Crombie and Fitch photo shoot. <clears throat> so they got the real men, <clears throat> the dads with the dad bods. <clears throat> and we had a good time. In fact, between I, I got to preach down at the Fayetteville campus and now I'm coming to get to th- do the third service. We stopped real quick as a family and we looked up all the pictures that the, uh, the church has online. And laughed and laughed and laughed. They laughed with me, not at me. They laughed with me about that great deal. So my name is Pastor Jonathan. I'm the newest guy on the team, but I get to preach the third service today. So glad to be with you. Oh, well, aren't you sweet? And Father's Day is very special for me. It was a dream of my life to be a father. Not everybody is that true, but for us, it, it, I, I love, I had a great dad and I wanted to be a great dad. And when Jennifer and I were looking at starting our family, it wasn't easy for us. And God in his mercy uh, gave us our two beautiful daughters. And so I have enjoyed that very much. Now, when I was young, I was insecure about being a dad. You know, the irony is that when they were sending us home from the 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 hospital with this new baby. They do not give owner's manuals for babies. They give no instruction manual. The, the car seat that I had to put in my car came with an instruction manual, but the baby that they gave me did not. And I cannot imagine how that could possibly be true. I looked at Jennifer and I said, they're just going to let us leave with this kid. I mean, I know it was our baby, but I couldn't believe they were just going to walk out of the hospital. Am I the only one who felt like that? Well, when you're a nerd, and I am, when you're a nerd, what you do when you're nervous is you get all the books and you start reading. You're like, oh, surely I'll feel better if I have information. That didn't help all that much, but I was trying hard. You know what I mean? And so when I was a young dad, I had a friend of mine that gave me a book called She Calls Me Daddy by Robert Wolgamuth. It's a book about raising daughters, and I had two daughters. And so when they were little, uh, the book had given me some insights uh, about what to do with little kids. Now, as I went through different stages in their lives, I would kind of go back and reread because when they would enter a new phase, I'd be like, whoa, this is weird and new. I'm not sure. Like the toddler phase is over and now the school kid phase is on. And then you get through the elementary and into junior high. That's a whole other phase. And then at a certain point, the little tiny baby that they put in your arms starts driving a car and wanting to date. It's super weird. Not for you, obviously. You guys have got this handled. But for me, it was a little bit stressful. And so I I would go back and I would read this book at different times. And then she calls me daddy. One piece of advice that the author of the book gave me was that you need to make sure and tell them how you love them regularly. They're going to need to know that. And And really what the author said is the best time to do that is when they're little, little, all the way up until uh, puberty, because they will want you in their lives. They'll think you're great. They look up to you. They're ready to hear what you have to say. Once they hit the turbulence of the high school years, anything you're going to do to put structure, boundaries, discipline, you're going to have to withdraw from that love reservoir that you put in them because you can't start doing it then too well. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to do that. 
And he said, one of the ways you do that is to make a ritual of conveying love. Uh, You know how the Bible doesn't tell us anywhere you're supposed to pray before you eat. But we all love to do that. It's just a nice trigger mechanism for family prayer. We want to pray together as a family, but how do we do that? Well, when we sit down to eat, we wait until one person puts food in their mouth and say, why don't you pray for the family? My oldest, she hated when I did that to her. And just like a dad, I used to think it was super funny. She didn't think it was funny at all. But we take that moment and say, let's pray. And we thank the Lord. We thank him for our family. We thank him for the food. We thank him in that moment. And it's a trigger mechanism that makes us express our gratitude. Well, the author of the book, he said, when your kids are little, find something that triggers communicating love to them. It might be in the morning before going to school. It might be at night before bedtime. And that was the time that seemed to work best for me. And so I came up with a ritual, a habit, a saying that I would say regularly so that they would hear it from me and know that they heard it from me. And so when they were little girls, I would say, how long am I going to love you? I would ask them the question, how long am I going to love you? And they'd say, forever and ever. And, and I would tell them, and there's nothing you can ever do that will make me not love you because I will love you forever. And I would come back the next night and I said, girls, do you know how long I'm going to love you? I'm going to love you forever and ever. And there's nothing you'll ever do that will make me not love you because I'm going to love you forever. Well, as time went by, uh, they started to give little dramatic pauses, and I would ask them the question, how long am I going to love you? And they'd say, forever and ever. Like, I wouldn't even say that part. They would say it to me, forever and ever. And it was so sweet, because when Whitley was baby Whitley, she would say, she would run her words together. Like, when she would pray for the food, she'd say, in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Instead of in Jesus' name, amen. And so whenever I'd say, how long am I going to love you? She'd say, forever and never. I was like, no, no, not never, forever and ever. But then pretty soon it became cute and we would say that. How long am I going to love you? Forever and never. And then did you know that there's nothing you will ever do that will make me not love you because I will love you? And then they would, little little Whitley and little Elise would say, forever. So that's right. I'm going to love you forever. And as time went by, they would get a little bit older, and I would say, do you know how long I'm going to love you? And then the sassy little kids would say, forever and ever, and there's nothing I can ever do that will ever make me not you not love me because you're going to love me forever. And they'd try to cut me off by saying the whole thing real fast. And I'd be like, whoa, we don't have to race through this thing. I'm expressing my love to you. And then there were times going down the road where all of a sudden it kind of reverted back, and I'd say, how long? Do you know how long I'm going to love you? Forever and ever, Daddy. That's right. And there's nothing you're ever going to do that'll make me not love you because I'm going to love you forever. And then when they became teenagers, when I would say that to them, we'd get to the end and I'd say, there's nothing you can ever do that'll make me not love you because I will love you forever. And then I would put the adage on, but listen, that's not a dare. <clears throat> I'm not daring you to see if you can push me so far that, that you're going to prove that I can't live up to my promise. If things will go smooth, that's what I would love. But I just want you to know, no matter whatever happens between us, I will love you forever. I said it to them every day of their childhood. So along comes sophomore year, and Whitley is asked to write an article for a competition, and it's about heroes. And she decided she was going to write her article about her dad. And I have that, and I was going to try to read it to you in conclusion, but I have a 0.0% chance of being able to do that, okay? 
I will be weeping and snotty all over. And so I actually asked Whitley for my Father's Day gift if she would come and share that with you. And she said that she would. Now I'm going to preach my sermon and then Whitley's going to come and read that article. So here is step one to being a godly leader in your home. If you want to be a godly leader in your home, they need to know how much you care. You ever, have you heard the old saying, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? They need to know how much you care. And if you want to be the godly leader for your home, step one is this, follow God with your whole heart. If you want to be the godly leader in your home, you follow God. And if you want to bring and lead your family to God, if you follow him, they will follow you to him. I believe that with my whole heart that the best way to lead your family as a godly leader is for you to get the heartbeat of God. And one of the most basic verses of Scripture, John 3, 16, that we've all heard, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. And a dad who repents of his sin and believes in Jesus as his Lord and Savior and decides to follow after Jesus and become his disciple becomes dramatically changed. He becomes that new creation. All things become new and you become come spiritually alive in Christ. And if you want dads to be a leader in your home, a godly leader in your home, the best way that you can do that is for you to be spiritually alive yourself and lead them by you growing closer to God. Dads who don't fulfill their roles as spiritual leaders in their homes, we rob our families of important elements that they will need for healthy spiritual growth. I want you to know, dads, nobody can take your place. You are vitally important. And when you show your love of God to your family, they it will make an impact. It will make a difference. So that's step one. And you can't skip step one. If you want to be a godly leader in your home, you can't just get a strategy to do it and implement it. What I want to encourage you is this. The best thing you can do is fall in love with God with all of your heart yourself. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths and your family will see it. Here's step two. If you want to be a godly leader in your home, be an example to them in integrity and selflessness as best you can. A dad who wants his children to be spiritually minded should be an example of one who is spiritually minded because you've heard the saying, do as I say and not as I do. Well, it doesn't work. You want to know what our kids, this generation, maybe more than any before, can sniff out quick? Hypocrisy. They can sniff it out quick. And so if you want to be, if you want your kids to be spiritually minded, if you want that next generation to be drawn to the things of God, if you want them to be people of character, then you show them what that character looks like. Be an example. If you want your kids to be uh, people who overcome all obstacles, then let them watch you overcome your obstacles. If you want for your kids to be the kind of people who are single-minded in their pursuit of what God wants for their lives, then let them see you doing it. You know, when Paul was leading the church in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9, Paul said this to the church, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That is an ambitious claim, isn't it? For him to have said to the church, you follow me as I follow Christ. But he meant it. And do you want to know why he could say that? Because of the price that he paid, because of the sacrifices he made and the selflessness he showed. He was able to say to the church, I'm going to follow Christ 
and you follow my example. I think, dads, this is the exact way that we can be godly leaders in our home. Uh, we need to understand the value of spiritual leadership in our family. The Bible teaches parents, Proverbs 22 and verse 6. I got it from the Amplified Version because I liked the little piece that was in there. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. And even when he's old, he will not depart from it. When you grow up in a godly home, it's hard to get away from it. I, I am a church kid. I grew up in church. And I fell in love with church and Jesus at the same time. I know that it's two different things. But I, the, Jesus is our Savior and the church is his bride. But I fell in love with church at the same time that I fell in love with Jesus. So I've been around a long time. And when the challenges of life came, when the challenges to my faith came, when the challenges that were mental challenges or emotional challenges or spiritual challenges, when they arose, I want you to know the thing that held me wasn't that I was so doctrinally deep. The thing that held me was everybody that I loved and respected in the world lived by this. And the benefit that I got from them, I remembered it. And I, and I thought, I'm going to stick with that. I liked what I felt. I liked what I knew. My dad was an example to me, and I want to be an example for my girls. And then step three, be present and be consistent as best you can. If you want to know how to be a godly leader in your home, be present and be consistent as best you can. Look for teachable moments. Have you heard that phrase, teachable moments? The moments when something bad happens, you get a choice of how you're going to react to them. Are you going to be heavy-handed with them? Or are you going to take those as teachable moments to reveal not only the God of mercy, but also the God of power and, and the God of justice, but also the God of grace? It is us who gets to reveal this to our children. And in those teachable moments, look for them every day and demonstrate that God is the most important thing in their life. What we love can be seen in our priorities, right? And dads, we've got to be very cautious about what we prioritize in our life if we want for them to have the right priorities in their life. Uh, this is the way it ought to be. Our priority list ought to be God, family, job, friends, hobbies. But it is very easy because of the pressures of this world to make it job, hobbies, friends, family, and then God. But if you want to be present, and if you want to be consistent, then you're going to have to have your priorities in the right order and be consistent about that. Because the truth is, they really don't know how much, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Now, I'm going to have Whitley come at this time and read this award-winning article. <clears throat> she won second place. How somebody else beat this article, you will never convince me that it was legit. <clears throat> but she's going to come. She said she would do this for me for my birthday. And then I'll come back and wrap it up. And then Pastor, uh, Pastor Keith is going to come. And we're going to pray for the young people that are going to Guatemala. So would you please warmly welcome my daughter, Whitley. Hello. So I wrote this. My sophomore year of high school, as Dad said, I won second place. <laughs> You're so silly. Um, so what I wrote, I called it, I call him Daddy. I remember my body rising and falling with each breath my father took. 
his soothing, monotone voice rumbling through the air as he gave me voice, or as he gave voice to the words of authors I could never remember. I would lay on his back, close my eyes, and let his voice carry me into the colorful worlds I could never forget. I can remember feeling so safe, breathing in his words and letting them fill me like helium. They lifted me above the clamorous realities of life and allowed me to dream. I floated among lost boys, drifted through Wonderland, and hovered over a shipwrecked family. His voice made me yearn to read, and the chicken scratch on the pages took form and suddenly had meaning, a meaning that stuck with me every time I read a book. Out of many teachings he's given me through the years, my favorite lesson was when he taught me how to dream. I remember how he never used small words, not even with me. He used copious words that meant nothing to my young mind and encouraged me to use or to look for their meaning. He had a way of loving me best, and it was not using a baby voice, but choosing to talk as he normally did to develop my brain. He would pause the TV and ask if I understood what a medical term meant, or if I could decipher a famous Latin phrase. And I loved every second of combing through my brain for the file that would aid me in the defining of the word. He would help me if I needed it, but when I didn't need his help, he would light up and laugh at my great accomplishment. I always felt like a firecracker when he bragged about how I was a seven-year-old Einstein. I was no genius, I knew that, but he made me determined to soak up every ounce of knowledge I could so that I could grow up and swell and become just like him. I will always be so grateful for the man who taught me how to think. I remember the incantation my dad would tell me over and over again so that it was engraved in my brain for the rest of my life. He would hold me and tell me the same beautiful words every day. Day after day, he would look at me and say, have I told you how much, <laughs> have I told you lately how much I love you? Because I love you and I will always love, <laughs> sorry, I messed that up. <laughs> Have I told you lately how much I love you? Because I love you, and no matter what you do, I will always love you. Because I will love you. He would always scrunch up his face and smile as he waited for me to recite the last part to him. And giggling, I would scrunch up my face too and reply, forever and never. Sometimes I would say it with him because I knew every single verse exactly when he would pause for dramatic effect. He used these words not only to assure me that he would always be proud of me, but also to constantly remind me that I had worth even when I was blind to it. My dad taught me how to value myself. I remember my father reading, reading leadership books, Christian magazines, marriage counseling books, and all sorts of other writings to improve his skills. There's one book in particular that I saw him with often. It's like they were old friends chatting every so often about life. After seeing him with that old friend, I asked him what he was reading. I wondered at why it could be so captivating within its worn covers. With a heart, <laughs> I messed that up again. I wondered what could be so captivating within its worn cover with a heart-shaped drawing. I couldn't see how it could be so interesting after going through it so many times. He told me that it was a book called She Calls Me Daddy by Robert Wolgamuth and that it teaches him how to be a better dad. It astounded me. How could he be taught how to be better? How could he be a better father than he already was? My tiny mind was blown. He was so devoted to everything he did, and everything he did, he did well. He was passionate about what he did, but what he was most passionate about 
was being an incredible father in the time that he had. I remember loving cartoons, books, the bright colors, unstoppable heroes, damsels in distress, perfectly timed arrivals, knight in shining armor. They were nonsensical, and, I, and that fact made me love them even more. I knew that nothing of what they depicted was real. And I was right about the fact that there are no heroes with gargantuan muscles, elastic limbs, supersonic speeds, or invisibility. But I was wrong that heroes didn't exist. Heroes exist in everyday life. I didn't know then, but I had a superhero living in my house all along, and I call him Daddy. So this, what I've just shared with you, is one of the great treasures of my life. If I ever lost access to those words, which I read more often than I would like to admit, <clears throat> I would have suffered one of the greatest losses of my life. And in this moment, I want to, I want to recognize with you that none of the things that my girl said were extraordinary things. When she wrote an article about a hero, you want to know what her hero did? Just read a book to her at night and just told her that he loved her consistently and just talked to her and watched television with her. That's what was in that article. There's nothing there that none of us can't do. And so, Dad, I want you to know you can be a hero, and it's not outside your reach. It's within your reach. And for those of you who think it's too late now, I, I've, I've lost those years. I want you to know, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that it's too late. It is never too late to be a great dad. Never too late to be better at being what God's called you to be. And every day that you live and, and breathe, you can be a hero. I want you to know I believe that to be true with all my heart. I might believe it for you more than you can believe it for you, but I believe this, that the Holy Spirit will help you if you will just let him. And it is never too late to be the grandfather that he has called you to be. It's never too late to love your adult children in the way that they need love and support from you. I encourage you not to let a lie from the enemy tell you to give up trying because you can do everything that she said in that. Everything. And I want you to know God will help you if you'll let him. And so I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray a blessing upon our fathers. Why don't we stand together? <clears throat> and I want to just pray with you. But friend, I want you to know you can't skip step one. As you've come here to the house of the Lord on Father's Day, I want to encourage you to just give your whole heart to God in the way that, that wor our worship team just beautifully led us in worship. And it talked about a wholehearted devotion unto God. I want to encourage you men, because I'm speaking to you today, I guess. All of us, really. But I want to encourage you men. Give your whole heart to God. You'll not regret it. He will help you to overcome your temptations. He will help you to prioritize correctly. He will be a firm foundation upon which you can stand. And when the enemy will try to guilt you and shame you, he will free you from that because you'll be able to tell him, not today, devil, I belong to God. All that past, I have put that under the blood and now I'm ready to live as God's man in this world. He will help you if you will let him. And so if that's you, if you're here today and you know there's a sin barrier between me and God 
I want you to know he has made the way so that that sin barrier can be removed and you can become a man of God. A man of God. And if that's you and you'd like to, would you, and maybe by faith, let's all join together and pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for sending your son for me. Thank you for loving me. And that nothing I will ever do will make you not love me because you will love me forever. I believe that, Lord. You will love me forever. Just say it in your own words. Tell him, I, you will love me forever. And so, Lord Jesus, here we are. Hallelujah. Lord, I bless these men in your name and for your glorious purpose in their life. I bless them now with a pastoral blessing that they, all the dreams of their heart, would be accomplished by the power of the Holy Spirit. You, Spirit of the living God, will walk with them every minute of every day, and they will never be alone on this journey because you are there with them. Lord, I pray that some who are under the condemnation of the enemy would rise up in this moment and know that I, God will love me forever. There's nothing I can ever do that will take me out from the love of God, that through repentance and grace and mercy, we can be fully sons of the Most High God. I pray a blessing on this congregation that guilt and condemnation will be broken off in Jesus' name. And that that message today, that you will love them forever, will grow deep and, and deeply rooted in their hearts so that when the enemy comes, the enemy will have no place to put a foothold. Instead, thank you, Jesus, that we will be overcomers by the power of the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Lead us and guide us, Lord, and where you lead us, we will follow. Lord, I pray for our men that, that would be godly leaders in their homes. Men of God that show forth the glory of God. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank you for this. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everyone, would you say amen? Thanks for listening. If you received something from today's message, be sure to share it with a friend and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. To join us live, check out our in-person and online service information at www.keypoint.church. And always remember that Jesus is the key and people are the point.